You are listening to A Miracle in the Making with Sarah Pinnock. I am so excited to be able to share with you guys some of the audio from a talk I did recently here in Northwest Arkansas at the Zadok gatherings that they have in Bella Vista. Wonderful time, wonderful people just honoring God and learning and growing together. And so I'm going to divide this up into several sections for you guys to enjoy. I hope you guys um, get something from it. I hope you guys are inspired and just enjoy. So I'm going to set this stuff up here. So you can, you can tell that my voice is not quite what it was last week. I have dropped a couple of octaves. I decided I would try out being a bass for a while, see what it feels like. Um, I'll let you know if I like it or not. Um, but I just want to say thank you first, because I, I have been through a lot over the past few years. I have been through the valley of the shadow of death. And, you know, if you ever, like, sometimes you just, you go through things or you see people go through things, and, and sometimes you pray like she was talking about, you pray for restored relationships, you pray for things, and you don't know, um, because you don't often get to see the fruit of your prayers, uh, you just pray, and then all of a sudden that burden to pray is over, and you're like, well, I hope it all turned out, but you don't really know what happened, but I, I can tell you that if you ever wondered if your prayers made a difference or not, I'm a living example that they do, like, because your prayers... Yeah. They, they brought me through something. And I, there were times, like, in, in the middle of the night a few years ago, you know, where I was broken and I didn't know how I was going to go on. But I knew somebody was praying for me. I knew it. And so I could rest in that. I could take, I could take like, I had it. It was my backup. You know what I mean? Like, it was holding me up when I couldn't. I didn't have the strength to hold myself up. And God's like, I got you. Like, I've got people praying for you. You don't have to do this all by yourself. You don't, you know, I, I'm a very stubborn, I can do it. You know, and God's like, okay, stop. Like, I got you. Like, you don't have to do this all by yourself. So, so thank you for all of those who went to the throne room for me. Thank you for all those last night that went to the throne room for me. Thank you for your text, Naomi, because I was like, God, I, I have to do this tomorrow. I know you told me to do this, and I feel horrible, but I'm not going to give in to this because I know this is not of you. So thank you guys for praying for me to get me here. So I had been on a sabbatical of sorts while I was walking through these things. And, um, and there's just, you know, when, when the unexpected happens, when you have to face something that you never, ever in a million years figured you'd have to walk through. And, and you know it's not God's plan, but yet somehow things happened and, and you were here. And, um, you know, th- you take on some wounds. You take on some scars. Like, it, it, it impacts you in a way. And so we have this decision to make whether we can let that um, completely alter our course in a bad way, or we can let that be like cuts of a diamond that just reflect God's light. And so I was in that place of, of just allowing God to do what God needed to do in me in order to, to restore me. And so as we, as I walked through that, and even as the restoration began, I found that I needed to rest. So I kind of like took a break from all things. Like my life had been ministry. Like I had led worship and, and I had teaching and but this was my life and then all of a sudden that wasn't my life anymore and it was like a quick thing and and I missed it and I, and I longed for it because you know um I don't know if you guys ever watch Disney but there's a uh, there's this one song I watched when I was a kid from Beauty and the Beast and the little candlelight thing Lumiere says life is so unnerving for a servant who's not serving and that really sticks with me right when you're not doing what God called you to do like it's just Nothing seems right, but God knew that I needed rest, so he gave me, gave me some time to rest. But as that season was closing up, he started to share, like, all these things. When I was talking with Gary, like, um, just a few minutes ago, like, the perspective seems to change, and he seems to, like, pour into you all of this stuff. And, and I'm sitting here going, um, 
that's great, but like, what am I supposed to do with this? Because I, I know it's for me, but I also know it's for some, you know, like he pours stuff into you and he wants you to share it with other people, but it's kind of hard because first off, this is not my thing. You think that I would be okay talking in front of people because normally I'm hiding behind a piano or a music stand. Like I have one here, but you know what I mean? Normally I, I have my zone and I'm comfortable. God has taught me how to be comfortable here. This, this is, this is scary. Like, has anybody ever felt that way when God calls you to do something new and you're just like, oh, okay, you know, but that's all right because that's, you know, having faith and stepping out of the boat. That's what we have to do. We're called to walk on the water. And that's kind of what this is taught, what God has been showing me. Um, so this is an act of obedience that I'm doing here. So you guys get to be a part of that. I'm kind of preaching to the choir, um, if so to speak. Like, you guys are going to know everything that I say. But I hope that um, in this that you guys are encouraged and strengthened because sometimes when, you're, when you go through stuff or when you are a servant of God and you've been serving for a long time, it is easy to grow weary. And so I'm, I'm hoping that this that we talk about here just kind of renews and lights the fire in you because God is not done with you obviously. God has a plan. You are um, world changers in this room. You are a room full of world changers, and so that's what I want to see. So um, you'll notice, I'm just going to be flat out honest about this, I have a speaking issue. So I tend to replace words with words that sound like other words. So what it means is my brain just goes so fast. So maybe I'll say, like, replace father with the word feather, right? (laughs) Completely different meaning. So if I do that, be like, did she just say our heavenly feather? <laughs> just go ahead and fill in the blank with the appropriate word. It'd be like a fun game. You can be like, what does she mean there? Um, so it has, the doctrine has changed in it. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Yes, the heavenly feather loves you very, very much. Um, so uh, just enjoy that part. That'll, that'll be the fun part of the thing is whenever, whenever I do that. All right, so let's get started. Um, so uh, here's the scripture that God gave me um, to that he's been working in me. This is all the stuff that he's been kind of working in me. So you get to share. This is my, what's that, um, exhortation to myself. This is, this is God's pushing me. And so, therefore, I get to push you a little bit. So, John 12, 35 through 37. Then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before the darkness overtakes you. For whoever walks in the light or walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light, so you may become children of the light. And when he finished speaking, Jesus left, and he hid himself from them. Now, isn't that just like God? Has God ever done that to you, where he, like, drops this truth bomb, and then he's silent? And you're just like, but I need more information. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's go, let's go back to that, and there's nothing. Because I think he lets us just kind of sit there and lets that, that sink in for a moment. And we're like, but, but God, come back. What did you mean? I need, I need help. Um, so, so, yeah, so God did one of those things for me here in a little bit, um, which I'll talk about. But uh, we know that we are living in troubled times, right? There's no doubt about it. Like, if we look at the news, if we look at social media feeds, if we listen to some of the stuff that's coming out of our schools, the things that my daughters tell me that they have to, to deal with, I don't even know how to respond sometimes. The things that are coming out of, of our governments and, you know what, even our churches, like, it's unfathomable how we could have fallen this far. I can't even comprehend the insanity of it. It's like, what happened to common sense? Like, seriously, what happened to it? Like, where people are able to just see things. Truth has suddenly become less of this firm foundation which we can stand upon. It still is. But in people's perspective, truth is now subjective, which is the exact opposite of truth, yeah. right? But there's just this, uh, this thing that says that, you know, it's whatever your opinion is, your opinion is therefore truth. 
And that's not how it goes. And even in journalism, I remember when I took a journalism class, right? We were like discouraged from putting anything that had to do with our own opinions into the news article, into the thing, because it was just about the facts. The whole purpose of the news system was to provide the facts so that people could form their own opinions about it and act accordingly. And so like, I don't think that's a thing. I, I, from what I see now, I don't think they're teaching that anymore, right? <laughs> like, that's not a, that's not a thing. Um, we we are, live in a society where we're constantly spinning things. And I think not only is that happening in the news, but it's happening in our own lives too. We're constantly spinning the truth in order to show a better light so that we can, people can see what we want them to see. And um, you know, it, it's hard. It's hard whenever we do not know what is truth and what is not truth. It, it's, very, it's a very difficult situation to be in. And so we can feel overwhelmed when, when we're in this kind of place. Um, it, it is overwhelming, like, right? And you listen to the news and you see the darkness. I mean, come, the abortion laws in New York, does that not just like break your heart, right? We talked about this. Um, it just sickens you how this could be, how this could be. And that's not just, that's just one example. I mean, there's so many things that are, that are happening. So I have a very active imagination. I'm a very creative person. I like to create stories in my head. So if I were to describe like visually, because I'm also visual, what's happening? It's like this. It's like you're standing on the top of a hill and you're looking down on a lush green fertile valley, right? And it has those gentle rolling hills with the tall grass and the green trees that are blossoming and the sun. It has this nice golden glow over the valley and it's just beautiful and it's just wonderful. And then all of a sudden from a distance, the shadow starts calling in with its little creepy fingers, right? And it starts rolling across the lane and you can see it coming, but it's so big and you're so like one person, you're like, what can I do to stop this from happening? And it gains more and more ground. And soon the, the lush fertile valley is now covered by this shadow. And, and the things that were once flourishing, the things that were once right and just, they start to wither away and they start to, to die. And when you look at that, again, you're just like, what can I do? Anybody else relate to that? Like to see that happening? It, it can be hard when you feel like you're the one standing against the tide that is coming in. Now, if we were in some sort of like epic fantasy novel or some sort of movie, this would be the time, right, when the underdog, the light, would then stand up and somehow figure out a way to battle the darkness. See, like that's, that's what would happen, right? Like they are, and we see them as the underdog. We see good as the underdog in all of these stories. There's no way when you look at the natural circumstances, that the light is gonna be able to defeat this darkness. Like this one little candle, there's no way it's gonna repel the shadow. That's how we see it. That this light is the underdog. It's this good versus evil. Good always, for some reason, seems to be the weaker force, and we don't know how it's going to stop the invading horde of darkness. And I can relate to that feeling because I have been there. I have been there when, when darkness is rolling in and I can see it happening and I feel powerless to stop it. So at least recently I was thinking about this while I was laying in bed and I was about to drift away into beautiful sleep. And I think that's when God speaks to me the most, mostly because I stop like talking in my brain. And so he has a chance to like get his word in. Um, anybody else like that? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. So I'm not the only one. Phew. Um, so I was, I was right there. I, mean, I was right on the edge of sleep. And I was thinking about this, like good battling evil, light battling darkness. And that's, and that's literally what I was thinking about, light battling darkness. And then that voice that speaks in your head says, Sarah, that's not how that works. Light doesn't battle darkness. And then suddenly sleep was gone. Like it was, 
It was like that truth bomb that Jesus dropped earlier. I'm like, wait, wait, what? I need more information. What do you mean light doesn't battle darkness? And so I was left to think and figure this out on my own, which I had to do because that's how my brain works. So I looked at the dictionary. And so, you know, might as well start simply, right? Might as well just use the resources that we have. So the, the term battle can be used as a noun, and it can be used as a verb. We all know that. As a noun, it means a sustained fight. And as a verb, it means a fight or struggle tenaciously to achieve or resist something. So let's go back to basic reasoning skills and then some simple science, and let, let's kind of walk through this. If I were to walk over to one of these teaching rooms or the theory room over there, it's, it's dark. They don't, there's no windows in there, right? So I would need to flip on the light switch in order to see what was happening in there. Now, when I walk into that room and I flip on the light switch, do I anxiously like, please light win, please light win, please light win, please, 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 please. Oh, darn it. Darkness won this round, right? Do I do that? Of course not, because when I turn on the light switch, there's light, right? Light happens. There's no sustained battle with the darkness in order for the light to appear. It doesn't have to like beat darkness up in order for us to have light. But yet somehow we have this idea, this mindset that, that light has to battle darkness and it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way at all. You see, in no way, shape, or form does light battle darkness. Darkness can only exist where light gives it permission. So really let that sink in. Darkness can only be where light gives it permission. Even the dictionary definition says the same thing. Darkness is defined as the partial or complete total absence of light. The Bible says in John 1, 5, light shines in the darkness and the darkness shall not overcome it. So light, therefore, any place that there is darkness, it's because light chose not to be there. Okay? So you, I think you guys see where I'm going with this. Because this, this one hurt me a little bit. I'm not going to like, I was like, okay, God. Okay. Uh, we look at the world and it feels very overwhelming to us. Um, we, we look at those abortion laws, and what are we supposed to do? Like, just these individual people in northwest Arkansas, for something that's happening thousands of miles away, what can we do? I mean, in, in, like, can we change those laws? Like, just naturally on our own, some of us wouldn't even know where to begin. Maybe we can, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it seems so, so overwhelming. When you think about, like, like I said, the things that are being taught to my kids, like this whole gender neutrality thing, where I'm just like, What? Like, I don't understand. Like, how, how is this a thing? Or, um, you know, the, the rampant curse of addiction that is plaguing our nation. And my family personally was affected and torn apart by addiction. I mean, it's heartbreaking, the number of families that are being torn apart by such things. Or mental illness, clinical depression, anxiety, which is there's no, like, of course. Do you know that, like, the recent, I read a statistic that said that 80% of Americans, 80%, are on some sort of mood-altering medication, which explains a lot of what's happening right now, <laughs> right? You know, um, it's just, it's, it's mind-blowing. It's mind I mean, even <clears throat> things like food insecurity. In America, there are families that do not have what it, they need in order to feed themselves from week to week, from paycheck to paycheck. And it's not because they're lazy. 
You know, it's not because they, they don't want to work. It's because the cost of living does, is not keeping up with the wages because we're living in a system that is rigged for failure, and this is not on accident. We are living in a political structure, an ex socio-economical place that is designed to fail for this one reason. Because when, when things get tough, people get desperate. And when people get desperate, people compromise. And when people compromise, then the light starts to go out, and that's how darkness takes over. So, so this, this is not all happening on accident. This is, a, this is a thing that is being set into motion. And so again, it feels very overwhelming. But I think the problem is, is that we're spending so much time focusing on the darkness. We're spending so much time focusing on this overwhelmingness. And yes, the problems that we're facing, they are huge. And they need to be acknowledged because we have to admit that that's a problem in order for us to face it, right? Even as that step one of, of recovery is admit, you have to admit. You have to get over the denial part. So yes, we have huge problems. And if we were to try to battle these problems individually on our own, we're, we're not going to make it. We're going to fall. But that's not what God's plan is. It's not planned for us to do this alone. I mean, David didn't fight Goliath alone. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't walk into the fiery furnace alone. David didn't go, I mean, Daniel didn't go into the lion's den alone. God's plan is all along is to walk with us in these things. The whole entire time. See, the Bible says, and we know this, these are scriptures that we all know. I mean, I know that we all know this, but sometimes, was it the phrase that's saying familiarity breeds contempt? And it's not like we really have contempt for the scripture. It's just that we hear them so often. We hear these scriptures that they don't, they no longer renew us or energize us. It's just like we're comfortable with them. They are just like salt. It's something we take for granted. We all have salt in our cabinets but if you can't have salt, suddenly salt has like a, a different meaning, right? It's like, woo, salt, it's so, it's so fabulous. I think, I think we get so used to scripture that we are allowing it to lose its power in our lives. We are allowing it to not mean anything other than just some pretty words that we read over and over and over again, or nice recitations. There you go, there's, there's a mess up word there for you. But nice things that we repeat to ourselves in order to keep us going, but we forget that it is a living, powerful word from heaven above. It is supposed to be the lamp unto our feet, right? That's what the scripture says. It is a light to keep us going. And um, so with men, you know, all of these things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. Yes. And those, those stories that I just rattled off really quickly, those are just a small smidgen of examples in the Bible. And then a small, I'm like, that doesn't even handle history. Do you know how many times God has defeated, like, the darkness? You know how times, like, history goes in cycles. I love history. I, st I love to study history. Darkness has tried to invade the earth many, many, many times. But God, God said no and I think we are waiting it's like and when I look and I say we I'm talking about not just people in this room okay I'm saying the body of a Christ as a whole because this is the this is the body of a Christ issue that we have that the church as a whole we it's like we are sitting here waiting on something to happen that will turn the tide Okay? It's like we're waiting for that next great revival to happen. Or we're waiting for the return of Jesus himself, which will be fabulous and it will be wonderful. But we keep waiting. And what we're failing to realize is that we are, we are what's supposed to turn the tide. We are that revival. You and me, everybody in this room, we are that revival that is supposed to change everything. We are that light in the darkness. One of the greatest lies the enemy tells us is that we are powerless against what is happening. 
You know, what we need to realize, what all of us need to realize and remember is that when we surrendered to God and we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we knelt down, we received that life-changing, transformative power, not just for ourselves, but for the world around us. We can change the world. Even if it's one person at a time, one child at a time, we change the world. John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In this scripture, we are told that when we walk with Jesus, we bring his light with us wherever we go. We are to shine that light without shame. And in theory, like it seems simple enough, right? It's like, of course, that's what we're supposed to do. But when we get down to the really, let's just break all of it down to the honest, nitty-gritty moments of life. Are we able to really do that? Are we really, in those, in those moments of weakness, in those moments of struggle, in those moments of frustration, do we say, okay, God, I'm really frustrated. Take control. Let me shine your light here instead of my frustration. Let me shine your light here instead of, of my anger. Or do we, do we allow the anger and stuff to be what's displayed instead of God's light? When we get down to those hard, hard places, are we letting the light of God shine through us? Or are we covering it up so that we can, we can like expel what feels best, which is like letting the anger vent or letting the frustration vent? Because in the moment, let's just be honest, it feels good when you're frustrated to let it all spill out. But, but you can't do that. Because it, it is like a disease. It's like a, you, you start like throwing anger on somebody else who was in a good mood, right? You vent your frustrations on them. Suddenly their light starts to dim, right? And they start to vent on somebody else. And they start, I mean, I've seen it happen millions of times. Like literally, like if somebody's in a bad mood at work and they share it to somebody else who shares it to somebody else. And then pretty soon the whole office is miserable. Or even in my own house, if someone's in a bad mood, if, if Serenity comes home in a bad mood and she starts yelling at Michaela, Michaela will then start yelling at Jada, which then will make me frustrated. And if I don't, I'm not careful, then I'll start yelling at them all. Be like, all right, you want to have a yelling match? Like, I got some lungs. I know how to use this diaphragm. I got volume. But bring it, you know. <laughs> That's not what I'm supposed to do. You know, it's like that, old, that saying, which I heard somebody say, we, we have a choice. We can be a temp, like a thermometer that tells and reflects the temperature around us, or we can be the thermostat. Right? We need to be the thermostat. We need to change the atmosphere around us. But we all look at our, our, our weaknesses, and I, I'm really, this is, this is a problem for me. I look at my weaknesses, I look at my failures, and I, I see all the reasons why I'm not the best person to do the job that God has called me to do, which is utterly absurd. Because I'm even so kind, like, I like to joke that I'm like Moses, not in the, I can part the seas and have enough faith to do that. No, I'm like the Moses standing in front of a burning bush, listening to God, all the reasons why he's wrong. Like, I can't do that, God. I mean, I don't speak very well. I mean, have you heard me? Like, I, I called you a feather, you know? Like, you're completely nuts if you want me to talk to people. Um, so, I, I mean, I will list to God every reason why I'm not a suitable candidate, and God's like, but you're not realizing, Sarah, that you were actually created to do this job. Like, of course you can do it. It's like, it's like the dishwasher saying, I can't wash dishes. That's what you were created to do. Like, you know, 
that's I think, but we get so focused, like if we're a dishwasher, and go like this whole like appliances rampage, but that's okay. If you're a dishwasher, you don't need to be looking at the refrigerator going, I don't I don't work like the refrigerator does. I can't my food goes in me, it doesn't get cold. Because that's not what you were created to do, right? You're created to be a refrigerator, so you make things cold. You're created to be a dishwasher, you'll wash the dishes. Whatever God created you to do, whatever job God gave you, he designed you with that purpose. He put everything in you and is putting everything in you in order to do that. And if something happens, if, if something catastrophic and, and you get broken, good news. He knows how to fix it. In fact, not only will he fix it, he will somehow take that broken part and will make it a new and improved model. Like, he doesn't just put you back the way you were. He somehow makes you better. Isn't that awesome? That God can make, like, you're like, I, I've, I've totally done it this time. I am unusable. I actually thought that just a few years ago. I was like, I'm, I'm unusable. I might as well just give up now. And, and I've been doing ministry for a while. Like, I grew up in the church. I know better. But even I still had that thought of that's it. That's done for me. I'm just going to sit on the sidelines now. You know, and we all do that. I mean, how many times have you had uh, maybe, and maybe nobody in this room, maybe I'm the only weak person that has done this, but maybe you felt Holy Spirit nudge you a little bit. And you see this person across the room. Maybe you're in a restaurant. Maybe you're at church, whatever. You just see this person, and something about that person just, like, like, you know something. Like, you know they're struggling. You don't know how, you know, you don't know this person, but, like, you have this instant connection that you know that you know they need something. And, and you know that they need you to go over there and say something, even if something simple like, God wants you to know that he sees you, he loves you, you're not alone, and you're going to be okay. Maybe something just as simple as that, God tells you to do that. And you're like, uh, I can't do that. Like, I don't know that person. Like, they're going to think I'm nuts. Like, what if they're not struck? Maybe, what if I, this is just my imagination. Like, I should stop drinking this coffee. I've had way too much, you know? And we give all these reasons why this isn't a thing, why, why we shouldn't do that, why we shouldn't go speak to that person. Or maybe we're like, well, I know for a fact that, that so-and-so knows this person better, and that's their ministry anyway, so I'm just going to sit back and let them do it. Has anybody done that? Be like, oh, they're better at that than I am, so I'm going to let them do that. Um, but you know what? I'm so thankful for all of the people that were willing to risk being crazy in order to speak life into my life. That were, that were willing to look like a fool in order to bring the word of God that I needed to hear, that I was desperate to hear. Even if I wasn't ready to receive it yet, I still needed it. Now, I would love to hear some of your testimonies or even hear some of your stories about the things that you're facing so that I can join you in prayer as you move forward. If you would like to do that, you can comment on whatever platform you are hearing this, or you can email me at booking at sarahepen.org. That's S-A-R-A-H-E-P-E-N.org. Now, remember, no matter what you're facing, God is with you. Be blessed.